Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Awesome. Awesome. What great worship this morning. Wow. Uh, we, had a, we had a wonderful time yesterday at 2 o'clock. Uh, we do special events from time to time when we have special speakers or we're doing something fun. Um, and we had a great time yesterday with Mark. Um, and, um, and, of course, if you don't know Mark, you will get to know Mark uh, from Australia. He, um, he is uh, one of my best friends as well as um, he plays a lot of roles in my life. He's probably one of my biggest sounding boards in, in my life. I'm an external processor, and so is he. So we just get in a room and bounce off each other. You know, it's just like, <laughs> no, it's good. Um, but um, Mark has had a tremendous influence on this church, um, not just with um, our relationship, but also whenever he comes, he leaves an indelible mark on who we are as people. And so one of the things that I want to encourage all of you today as Mark comes in and, and brings a word or, or has a word for you, um, posture your hearts to receive what he's giving today. Sometimes when we're, when we're unsure or it's a new person or we're not clear, we can kind of have our, have, be like, well, we'll see. And we do this. And, and that's not actually the posture God wants us in today. What the posture God wants us in today is one of receiving. One where we say, yes, Lord. Even if you're feeling challenged, that might be an indicator. That God has something for you in it. Amen? Okay. All right. It got real quiet. I was like, dang. Um, so with that, uh, Mark has, has joined us uh, from thousands of miles away from Tasmania, Australia. Um, and he is uh, going to be speaking at our, our ski retreat this weekend up at Schweitzer for the men. Come on, man. Give it up. Come on. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jacob's in. All right. So, um, so with that, um, I, I will, it's my privilege to welcome Mark Crawford on up to the platform. Will you guys give him a, a warm Harvest Valley welcome? Thanks, Chris. Good day. How you doing? Good. Okay, let's see what I can do about that then. <laughs> uh, we had a great time uh, last night and um, would really encourage you if you weren't there to uh, get hold of the message because it's really quite a key um, to, to what I'm saying. Um, you know, the whole um, concept of s seeing so I'll talk a little bit about that um, today. Uh, I have two books. Uh, my, the first book that I wrote is called Fascinated by Heaven on Earth. And uh, it's down the back. This, the second one um, is um, Who Let the Joy Out? Uh, I, I would really suggest you get both of them if you don't have them. But if you can only get one, get Who, Got the, Who Let the Joy Out? Um, it's, a, it's, it's a book that I wrote that I 
really wanted to communicate um, what it's like to release joy, not just be a responder to joy. Um, that if the, as the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our strength, um, then you would want strength, right? And so how do we do that? And if you live a life just responding to joy, then you really don't uh, experience the power of joy. And so this book takes you through um, just a, a section every day uh, for 30 days, and uh, I guarantee it'll be life-changing. Um, just um, next month, um, I'm heading to the Philippines. Um, I was there just before Christmas, and um, I'm going to be leading a team um, from Casper, Wyoming, and uh, southern Idaho, uh, Pocatello. So a couple from there, and well, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, so the first time that, uh, for a lot, a lot of years now, about four years or five years, that I've taken a team um, into there, I've, I've gone a couple of times. Um, there was a long period of time, of course, that I wasn't able to travel anywhere. Uh, you know all about that, right? Um, but um, Chris has disappeared. But I was going to say to Chris, <laughs> so when he manifests, <laughs> um, oh, here he is. Uh, so, Chris, Chris I, want to inv- I, I want to invite you and a team from this church to go into the Philippines sometime with me. Because yeah. yeah. I, I really think that there's something out of this house that that country needs. Amen. I think there are some, uh, you know, some people need something that you guys carry. <laughs> right? And I, I'd, I'd really put to you... Um, you know, let's let, let's let's go there. Let's go and have some fun, um, because we we when we work in the in the Philippines, we partner with particular ministries and churches um, who are making a difference. They are the same thinking as us. You know, they're on the same page, and that's taken a lot of years to cultivate. Um, and that when we leave, they carry on as we would. So that sometimes the, the thing that you need is only obtained in a geographical location, right? But I talked about this last night. You know, some of the people when particularly we were seeing places like Brownsville or Toronto or whatever else, some people were flocking there and they were getting the breakthrough of their life and then the people who weren't getting any breakthrough were criticising them because they were going to the place to get the breakthrough. Because they said, well, we can just get it here. Well, why haven't you got it here? So there's something happens when you're intentional and you get up off your chair. (laughs) Which is what Isaiah has to say, arise. You know, we like to say, that's a nice word, arise, and we sit down. Like, you know, it's like, no, you actually have to change position. So sometimes you actually have to Believe God, step out, go to another place, and he does something in that place that he could have done here. Yeah. 
but he chooses to do it somewhere else. And that's what we find um, when our teams go into other nations. Uh, it's a wonderful way. This, I'm trying to sell something. No, I'm not trying to sell something. I'm, I'm really trying to explain something. There's something incredible happens in a, in a church context when people go together in a team. You, you have shared experiences. It does something. And uh, in fact, actually, the, um, the Hope Church at Casper have just said to me, Mark, we want to make this a regular thing. They have been doing it for a few years, but we want to set it as every year we'll take a team. So, yeah, there's something, something that takes place. Um, Listen to this. It's from the Bible. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let this word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. I feel like God told me this morning that the message that I have to share with you is going to be the most prophetic, perfect not pathetic, prophetic, <laughs> the most <laughs> prophetic <laughs> message that I've ever released. And I felt like I've done a lot of prophetic stuff. So I'm thinking, God, what does this mean? I think that when we recognize that there's a lot more caught than taught. So if you were wise this morning, you would catch it. Now, when you get a prophetic word, it's always an invitation for you to step into something that God sees. And most of the times we receive a prophetic word by saying yes to it and then have to go away and unpack it, figure out what, what it means, right? Okay. Um, it's Robert, isn't it? Okay, two scriptures for you. Um, the first one is from the book of Joel. Uh, if I can just find it. Okay, um, Joel chapter 2, uh, verse 25. So I will restore to you the years 
that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locusts, a lot of locusts there. Uh, my great army which I send among you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. So it's like God saying, I'm going to do some restoring of you, particularly out of the area of things that caused shame. Um, the other, if I can find it, because it tends to hide um, a little bit, is from Ecclesiastes. Um, here. Um, so take that, res restoration and um, restoring, and then uh, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labour. Now, often we use this in a wedding situation when we're talking about husband and wife. Um, I'm, I'm sure this does apply, but what I'm saying to you is not about your wife, Okay about somebody else. The two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fail, if they fall, sorry, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. How can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." God is bringing you into a time when it's going to be less about you and it's going to be more about you and, and others, right? And you're going to be one who's going to have revelation and understanding of interdependence and not independentness. And I feel like you're going to do a significant damage to that thing, that mindset. And actually, I can see you bringing freedom as... Um, you're a freedom fighter, right? You're a freedom fighter um, and therefore a releaser of freedom. Cool. Yep, you agree. So we taught last night, those that weren't here. Um, uh, Mika, I have this word um, for you. I, I think we've sort of talked about it a few occasions, but... I saw it in capitals um, um, over you, and it's the word now. Right? The Lord's turning you into a now person. He's taking you from a tomorrow or the next day or the next month or at some other point of time, and he's turning you into a now person. Right? So that it's, it's like now. Um, and it's going to continue to mess with you uh, because your head's going to say, no, 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 another time. And, and the Lord's going to say, no, now, now. And as you partner with the word, there's a power to accomplish it. There's a power to accomplish that. This is something you, you already all need to know. When God says something in his word, there's a power contained in the word to accomplish what he says. Otherwise, it's just you trying harder. Otherwise, it's just your self-effort, Right? So when you have a prophetic word or you see something that's quickened to you in the word of God, 
then he, there's a power to accomplish it as you take hold of that and say, okay, I can do this. Come on. All right? Okay. Um, the lady just, just there, the one, yeah, your name? No, no, the back, sitting next to, no, no, behind you, just the lady behind you. Who's a, hello, Amber. Hello, Amber. Um, <coughs> uh, I, I have this sort of cliche that's running around in my head for you. And um, so I, I've, I think I've used it, I've heard it all around about it, and it's a very simple, simple phrase. But there's a lot of power that's contained um, in it, and it says, uh, and I don't mean to say that you haven't done this, but it's almost like God just reinforcing it and highlighting it, you know, bringing it sort of a more amplified version, and it's let go and let God. Let go and let God. Like I said, I don't say that you haven't done that. It's just that there's a place in which he's wanting to say to you, you can let go and I will do it and it will look better than you thought that it would look. So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit like, you know, trust me. Just trust me. And, it, and I think for all of us, we can often have a time when we don't know how that's going to work or we don't know what about that and it's, it's just got to a place where God just says oh, just trust me so let go and let God all right <clears throat> God's agenda for us uh, for the body of Christ is conquest God's agenda for you and me, for us, for here, for the body of Christ, is conquest. It's conquering. And I want to talk to you today about this concept of conquest. And I want to give you some steps or some things that I think will help the conquest. The difficulty is that much of the church is living to die. Much of the church is looking to escape rather than conquest or conquer. And so you have an eschatology mindset or you have a second coming type that is like, get us out of here. Get us off this earth. This earth is going to hell in a basket. There's so many things that are bad. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Just we can't wait till Jesus comes and gets us out of here. And it's selfish. Jesus really meant it when he said, I want you to pray that my kingdom would come. And I want you to realize that God's desire, his will, is that what happens in heaven would happen on earth. I want to heavenize your earth. And because... Most of the church over the centuries has not understood what Jesus taught us to pray. There's too much hell on earth. That's right. 
Because we have not understood what Jesus taught us to pray. We turned it into a religious prayer that we just declared and spoke and, and did not understand that he was teaching us some theology, some truth, some things that he wanted us to walk in, that heaven is most supposed to be on earth and that earth is supposed to be heavenized because there's too much hell on earth. I'm just going to stand here and keep preaching that until I get some sort of response. <laughs> like there's too much hell on earth. And you can st- we can stay in a place where we just identify what we see and complain about what we see. It's like Mika was talking to you about fear. As long as you focus on trying to get rid of the fear, you're enforcing the fear. You have to actually see it from a different perspective. I taught on this last night. You have to actually see from a different place. I'll repeat, I'll repeat something I said last night. Many of you have heard the term deja vu. Right? Deja vu means seeing something that you have not yet seen. It's what it actually means. Deja vu means that you see something. And so we have these times where we go into a place and it's like, I've been here before. And you've never been there. Well, I've, I, I, this, this um, conversation, I feel like I've had it before. It's called deja vu. Right, And it's your spirit has been in those things. You've had a dream or you've had something and you, you come into the, real, to the actuality of it and it's like, I've been here. It's called deja vu. Now, the opposite of that is called vujeda. It's an actual word, vujeda. So vujeda is that you see something that you've seen so many times, so familiar with it, and then you look at it from a different perspective and think, oh, wow, that's different. I've not seen that before. I've not seen it like that before. And we are in a Vujayda time where God is saying, I want you to see something that you've seen many times. And I want to show you a different aspect of that. I used to always think, um, you know, I'd read in Revelation where the elders are standing around the throne and, and just saying, holy, holy. I thought that would have to be the most boring job. <laughs> holy, holy. It's just like, I could last a few seconds on that. <clears throat> Please don't have me do that for eternity. That would be, you know, it's like, God. And then I had a revelation. I thought, no, they're not just doing holy as of some sort of religious vain sort of a thing it's actually a lot more like holy i just saw another aspect of god holy oh there he goes again look at that i've never seen that and of course there is no end of god right and so we're we're meant to be in a place where it's like something that we've seen something that we've seen so many times he says listen let's have a look at this from another perspective Jesus, Jesus taught us this. He said in Matthew 11, verse 2, he says, The kingdom of God, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and it's the violent that takes it by force. That seems to me like we've got ground to take. 
that seems to me like that's conquest. That's conquer. That's not about escapology. Uh, eschatology. That, that's not about getting off the planet. That's not a like about, I'm out of here as soon as I possibly can. That's a like, let's take some ground. That, that's like, let's change some things. Let's see some things here. The, the problem is many people are putting up with what we have. And then the only way that they know how to do it is, is to sort of somehow, no, listen, this is about God saying, listen, I want to do something different. I want to advance my kingdom. I want to actually bring some things into place that are going to make a difference. And one of the difficulties for the church is that the church has been for many, many years in what's called the church age. The church age was about bringing people to church. It was about people coming to church. It was about um, and it was the right thing. We talked about church growth. I grew up in that environment where it was all about growing the church. And it was all about the church. And people were looking at the number one thing they could do in life was be a pastor of a church. And that was good for the time that it was in. But God started to trans- translate us and we started to move into what's called the kingdom age. And the kingdom age, it's always been there and many of us are starting to look at it. Why didn't we understand this way back here? It's already there. But our eyes weren't able to see that because the revelation didn't come to into place. So that what happens is that we are now in a place of being the church. Right? So we recognize the kingdom is the message, the church is the messenger. And so therefore, it's not about being camped in a in a in a in a building it's about operating out of a place where we come together and we uh equip it's it's a little bit can i may have put it like this in terms it's a bit like a football game right at a particular time half time they come together hear the coach the coach is talking about with a strategy and encouraging and etc etc then you go out and play the game game's not played in here Games played out somewhere else. And so that we have people who are going after kingdom business and kingdom areas that, that, that they are seeing and they understand that they are just as effective as leading a church as if they're leading a business. And they know that whatever they do, they're doing it under the Lord. And we've only seen just a little bit of all of that now in the kingdom. But the kingdom isn't a trendy word. It's a concept. Dominion of the king. So it's about conquest. It's about taking ground. It's about taking some things. It's about moving into some things. And so I'm talking about that. Now listen, let me just talk about um, Harvest Valley for a minute. Or two. Or three. I had a picture during the night of this place, this of you here. And I felt that I saw a group of people that felt like almost 100% of the people 
were people who had a revelation of sonship. I could not feel any orphanness in the place. And I felt like I heard the Lord said, I've been longing to do something like this in this region for a long time. And you can tell them that they weren't my first choice. I thought, gee, that'll make some friends. But he said, they're the first that said yes. So that when you recognize that there's quite possible to have a group of people where you can't be offended. Because you see, sons don't get offended. There's nothing to be offended about. But if you're in any church or any community, or any, really like any church community, it doesn't seem to be that long, particularly if you're a leader, before you find some offense happening. People are offended. Right? And because that is very much an evidence of um, orphanness, and it's why the Bible has a lot to talk about it. It's why it's one of the number one tools the enemy uses to snare people in. Because once you start to be offended, you find offense everywhere else around the place. And wouldn't it, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a group of people like here who you're totally unoffendable? That sort of did deserve a little bit more than what you gave it. but <laughs> Really, wouldn't it? Because, because what happens, you, you don't get offended here and you don't get offended anywhere else. On, right? And so it's like things happen and things take place and we take ground instead of going so far and pulling back. Yeah. Going so far and pulling back. Going far, so far and pulling back. Which is the church has done for so long. Yeah. It's like how we go so far, split. So far, split. So far, split. Right? A house divided against itself can, does fall. Right? <clears throat> what, if there, what if there was no comparison? What if there was no people getting um, offended because there was, comparison just didn't exist and there was this place where there was such a healthiness about it that people were exceeding what they ever thought that. There were people cheering on for what was on your life that you've, you've never experienced before. What if there was a place that was unusual? What if there was a place that was actually so advancing the kingdom that they were having a major effect in every single area of society? What if there was such a group of people who understood conquest and conquering that they were pulling down strongholds that had been up for years and years and years and no matter of praying and walking around had brought them down but by the very life that they were living in community actually caused those strongholds to come tumbling down all of their own accord. What if there was a place... What if there was a, a place for because of a group of people who understood their governance over the elements that they removed the power for those that operated in a cult so that they could not operate in this re region? 
because of the people of God who understood their role according to what it says in Romans 8 9 that the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God so that the sons of God were stewarding the elements and if you understand anything it's where occultic people get their power out of the elements we don't it's from the Holy Spirit but we're called to steward if you're not stewarding, if we're not stewarding, who is? So very much it's about governance. During this time of Christmas, we have been referring to Isaiah 9 often. To us, a son is given. Sorry, to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And if you map that, we have for... Uh, lots of years, right back to the time of Jesus, been aware that it's the childlike likeness. Become like a child to enter the kingdom. So it's about, not childish, childlike. We know that you have to be born again, right? Speaks of being, being born again, coming as a child. So that unto us a child is born a son is given. For lots of years, we've been into sonship about identity, right? Don't get tired of, um, of, the, of people talking about identity. In this place, in the next period of time, you're going to hear a lot about it, okay? Now, you know you have to deal with it when you get fed up with hearing about it. Oh, you know what? All Chris does is talk about identity and sonship. I'm just so over it. It's because you have not stepped into it. It's the same with the people. Same with people. Well, all they do is talk about the offering and giving, and I'm just so over it. They, all they do is talk about money. Well, you, you have a problem with generosity. So until you deal with it, you're still going to have an attitude against it. Right, So you're going to hear a lot about identity. And the reason you're going to hear a lot about identity is because the plan of God is to raise up a group of sons and daughters, children of God. Not ones who just talk about it, but ones who live out of it. And they are the ones that are advancing the kingdom of God. He wants to do something out of this place, over this region. When you, when, you, when you look around in the world, there seems to me to be two sort of groups of people inside the church and outside the church. There's those people whose confidence exceeds their ability. You know, the person who's sitting in the armchair watching the football match telling the coach how to do the t- job, right? And their confidence is exceeding their ability. I've been in churches where I've had people come and tell me how to pastor the church. Right? And they can't even operate their own life. And yet they're the expert. And everything I'm doing is wrong. Not here, of course. That wouldn't happen here. 
Then there's another group of people whose abilities exceed their confidence. You ever have seen those people? Well, you could do that. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. Well, you, you know, like, I, I think you could. No, 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 no. And they could easily. So somewhere in between is this what I call confident humility. Right? I think that sons and daughters live in a place called confident humility. They're confident who they are, but they have a humility about them that says, you can teach me, you can show me, you can, you can instruct me. And much of, the, much of what you are going to see targeted here is, is an independent spirit because an independent spirit is a self-reliant spirit and, you know... He's going to deal with it. In fact, I think you'll come to a place in here where you will recognize you're not entitled to your own opinion. Oh, let's see how that goes. Because sons recognize they're not entitled to their own opinion. Independent people think they are. <clears throat> that's really good <clears throat> so I think there's a sweet spot I think there's a sweet spot in a place where we live out of confident humility I want to take you into four C's right now as we uh, head towards conquest right um, I'm going to stay within um, um, Romans 8 uh, Romans 8, I actually think it's a, it's a Vujay Da type book. I think it's a now book. I think it's a book that God has been speaking out, will continue to speak out of. So Romans 8, um, verse 18 says this, and it's from the Passion Translation. Very passionate about it. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled, veiled, within us I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of the glory now that's a conquest person right that's a person that's not looking to escape that's a looking a person that's looking to move through and accomplish that which God has got now he says this I'm convinced right I am convinced I'm convinced of this now, 10 verses later, the same writer says this. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his destined purpose. So 10 verses back, I'm convinced. Then he says, we are convinced that God works everything together for good. So what happens between I and we? What happens where he can go stand and say, personally, I am convinced, into the place that he's now talking about a company of people? <coughs> he's now saying, we are convinced. There's something that's changed between I and we. I mean, it's a difference. Just a side issue. Um, people who talk about I a lot... 
are more often than the people who talk about we. This is what we do. This is what we do at Harvest Valley. This is what we do in Sandpoint. This is what we do. This is what we. And in fact, actually, I think it's something that God wants to take you into where you're actually going to be saying, God, what are we going to do about this issue? What are we going to do? That's partnership and that's relationship. But look what happened here between here. Now, I want to pick out um, three things that if you look between those verses, you'll see that they are dealt with or they are taught or they are spoken about. And uh, it's really quite interesting, I think, from everything that I've said, but that's just my personal opinion. (laughs) What changes? Well, the first thing is they talk about identity. Sons and daughters, the entire universe is standing on tippy-toe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Identity is a really important thing. Now, you, oh, I'd love to talk on this for ages because I can, um, on, on and, right? Now, and is a, is a joining word. It means, it means this and this, M- but much of us have been taught it's one or the other. That's because we are recipients of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we, we like, choose one or the other. There's not. In the kingdom, you can have your cake and you can still eat it too. It's an impossibility, I know. But impossibility is just an opinion. I'm going to say that again. Impossibility is just an opinion. Right? The Holy Spirit is the one who holds things together so that we are sons and daughters and we're becoming sons and daughters. Now, you, it'll do your head in if you, well, one or the other, either I'm a son or I'm becoming a son. No, you are a son or you are a daughter. Is it okay if I just talk about sons? Because, you know, I, ladies, you know I mean, I don't mean a gender. I'm not being sexist. I'm just, you know, Good. <laughs> See, if, if you don't get, if you don't get identity, you're not going to understand or you're not going to get governance. And if you don't get governance, you're not going to understand responsibility. Right? Now, responsibility is always your response to his ability. And we're called to govern because that's what conquest is about. You conquest and govern. Conquest conquer and govern right because if you just conquer something and you leave a void it's going to be worse than what it was before it's like cleaning out the house the scripture talks about clean it all out don't fill it back up again it becomes seven times worse so identity is the one is is the thing between these in these 10 verses the second thing is hope now hope is a hugely a valuable concept and you have to understand what hope is now hope is not wishful thinking right it's not sitting here thinking I hope he finishes soon that really is wishful thinking (laughs) 
oh, I, I hope there's a seat at the restaurant or whatever. That's wishful thinking. Now, hope is a much more powerful concept. It's, um, a, it's an eager expectation for good, right? It's valuable because faith is the substance of things hoped for, okay? So that it's a substantial part of faith. It's why the enemy attacks hope. Because he does not want you pleasing God, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he attacks hope. So that's why you have expressions of feeling hopeless. That's why you have times in which you like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. You know, what, what good am I doing anyway? Oh, you know, I've, I've, I gave this prophetic word, but I've never heard any response to it. I keep giving them out, but why would I keep doing it? Because it's not achieving anything. Right? And that's when the enemy gets in and starts to, because hope is an important thing that he wants to attack because he wants to stop you from going from I to we. <laughs> Holy Spirit empowerment is the third one. So the first one um, of things is identity. The second one is hope. And the third one is Holy Spirit empowerment. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. There's so much controversy in the kingdom of God about the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, I grew up where it was the, the Trinity was the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures, right? And um, I had to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit to completely change my whole thinking to recognize that what I was telling everybody was of the devil was actually God. I'm glad he was so merciful for me, to me. It's really fun telling everybody that, you, that speaking in tongues is wrong. And then you start to speak in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and in a similar... <laughs> I mean, I've been in places, I've been in places where joy is broken out and people are laughing all over the place. And you have these people saying, that's of the devil. And yet they'll have somebody out front who are bawling their eyes out because God is working with them. Well, that's God. It's like, really? Oh, I see. So joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Now we have the enemy doing, encouraging us to do the work of God. Right? Because there's laughter breaking out. But because it, as I said last night, God will often offend your mind to get to your heart. So if you ever feel offended about something that's going on, have, an, have a bit of an internal look. So I, I'm out of here tonight, so I'm okay. <coughs> For example, here it is. For, in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us and our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or how or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. I mean, that sounds like the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? And I tell you what, I am so glad that that is now in my life because I have been in so many situations, I have no idea what to pray. And I just pray in tongues. Like I intercede, you know, and it's just absolutely 
an amazing thing that God is. So Holy Spirit empowerment. So I, I, so, so I now live with confidence. Now, we have gone from Romans 8.18, Romans 8.28, and we're now coming to Romans 38. So 10 verses in between. Okay, so we've gone from I to we, and we are now in a place in uh, verse uh, 38. So it says this, I now live with confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death like life, uh, over death, life's troubles fallen angels or dark rules in the heavens. There is nothing. There is nothing. Can you say that? There is nothing. That's right. And just, just, you know, just to give you some, you know, strength behind that, the, the, the Greek for nothing means nothing. See, I just wanted to throw that in there. There's nothing... <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> oh dear there is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love there is no power above us or beneath us no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ the anointed one what amazing words so I am convinced because of of the confidence that I now have. So, being convinced, convinced leads to confidence. Confidence leads to courage. And courage leads to conquest. You're called, we're called to be conquerors. We are called to, in fact, be more than conquerors. We are called to conquest. And if you don't understand being convinced, now let me give you an illustration. I did this last night, and I'm going to show you a little bit more about it. When the, when the Israelites send the 12 spies into the promised land after coming through the Red Sea, that would be enough to get me, you know, having the seas parted and getting across. They sent 10, I uh, sent 12 into the promised land to check it out they were told this land is yours I'm giving it to you God said he told them time and time again this is your land they go in there to look check it out two of them come back with a positive two of them come back with the right response ten don't what's the difference the two that went in Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land with the view that God said they were convinced that God said this is our land they went in to look at where they were going to put places like I said last night they went in looking for the place to put the Walmart <laughs> and the restaurants the other 10 went to look at how do we take this land? Yeah. <coughs> how are we going to accomplish this? How are we going? And because therefore they are in their own strength and might, they are looking at their giants, they're looking at all the problems and they said, we can't do this. 
because they are trying to obtain something that God said is already yours. Because Joshua and Caleb were convinced. Now, fast forward at 40 years. God says to Joshua, it's time to go into the promised land. He said to him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. A couple of times he did. He's not telling him to do something that he hasn't already got. He's saying, you can be strong and courageous because I'm in, I'm in you. And, and he tells him something. He said, every place on which your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. And he's convinced about that. But he's already convinced that the promised land is theirs. And so God says, you're going to cross over and you're going to take it. It's now take time to take the land. So God has the high priest take the Ark of the Covenant and go to the Jordan River. The Jordan River is in flood, right? And they go into the waters. And God is true to his word. As soon as their feet touched the land, the, 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 the seabed, the waterbed, the riverbed, right? And God says... Every place on which your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. Yeah. Right? This is now theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Got it? Yeah. And God does what he said he's going to do. He's going to cut the water off. 19 miles upstream. So they are standing in the water, getting cold feet. <laughs> the water is cut off like God said, but there's a lot of water to come down. You do not read anywhere where Joshua is getting a bit doubtful right. or anybody else. Yeah. Why? Because he's convinced, God says, the land is ours, we're going to take it. The, 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 every place on which our foot shall tread, it has been given to us. So they walk in there, that's our land. And so they wait. You see, when you're convinced of something... When you are convinced of something, it leads to a confidence. A confidence that you can live out of. And that confidence leads to courage. Which gives you the ability to take action. And that action leads to conquest. You take ground. You take land. You take territory. What are you convinced of? I could go on and tell you story after story. I could talk to you about David, young boy. God uh, has him go down to where his brothers are, the army. Army's lined up um, and um, they're ready to do battle. They look like an army, sound like an army, smell like an army. Goliath comes out, says a few words, they run off. Yep. <laughs> Joshua turns up. Uh, sorry, David turns up. <laughs> Joshua. David turns up and he looks at it and says, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you running? And, and so he looks at it and thinking, what's the problem? I mean, that guy is so big you couldn't miss. Right? This perspective. But it's also his perspective because he's convinced about who God is and who he is in God. 
So it gives him a confidence. It leads him into a courage and he has a conquest that we're still talking about David and Goliath. And you could take it on and on and on. You'll see the people that do things, do conquest, have this place in which they're convinced of what God has said. I've seen people that have these prophetic words. I talk to them and I say, well, you know, I don't know about this. You know, it's, how many words have you got? Oh, I've got 15 of them. And they're all saying the same thing. Yeah, they're all saying the same thing. It's the same word. Well, well, you know, I'm not really convinced. Like, how many do you need? It's like, one, two? What's, what's that? Well, you know, maybe if I get 20. They mightn't say that, but it's like we live in this place where it's like God convinced me, convinced me, convinced me. It's like that's not his role. Your role is to be convinced. If you live a life like convince me, convince me, convince me, convince me, convince me, Mr. Preacher from Australia, convince me. Talk me into it. Well, if I can talk you into it, the devil can talk you out of it. If you hear somebody come like me and say, well, this is what I see. God has shown me whatever else. You say, well, I don't know about that. It's like, okay. Go around the mountain again. Like, you know, if... if, if <laughs> oh, convinced. It really is a powerful thing. And it's your choice about whether you're going to be convinced. I'm asking you, what are you convinced of? What are the things that determine what you do life? What are the things that convince you? Listen. January in Idaho is not my favorite weather time. It's summer at home. It's hot. Lots of things going on. Right? And yet I was convinced that this was the time that I should be here because I got an invite to be up a mountain, which is my wife's favorite place and not mine. And to be up a mountain in, 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 a, in a particular place to be able to share some things because I was convinced that that was the right thing and that everything else was falling into place. So that when you are convinced of things, then what happens is that God moves things to come into alignment with what you're convinced with. So I'm asking you today, what are you convinced? Are you, what are you attracting because of what you're convinced? Because being convinced will take you into confidence. And confidence is going to take you into courage. And courage is going to take you into conquest. And I want to tell you that there are some great conquests in God's thinking for you guys to achieve. I could speak for quite some time, but I'm just going to say the same thing. Remember, if you just hear the word and you don't do anything with it, it has the tendency to take you into self-deception. 
Would you like to stand with me, please? I would like you to close your eyes just because I just want you to just focus. I want to release an ability for you to be convinced like you've never been convinced of certain things about who you are, what God has put in your hands, what God has given to you. A power, a shift that takes place. That you walk out of here tonight, today, and you're thinking of some of the things that God has spoken about today that echoes in. But it's not an echo just for the sake of the echo. It's a motivating, it's an empowering echo that motivates you, that actually catapults you into some new territory. See, the key to breakthrough is always follow through. The key to breakthrough is always follow through. So, Father, today, over these people, I bring to them an ability to be able to be convinced about who they are, what you have for them, and what you have said, just like Joshua. Father God, a a new sense of being convinced. Those that already operate in it, I speak an upgrade to that being convinced right now in Jesus' name. I release the power of God, the authority of God. I release his presence and the work of the Holy Spirit to, to bring to you today a shift in your thinking, a tweaking in your understanding, a place in which your very mindsets are just moved in a way that you see yourself being fully convinced that you see yourself stepping into a new dimension of confidence and a new place of courage. And that you see we are called to conquer. We are called for conquest. And so even today, you will go away from here, some of you having dreams of places to conquer and conquest. Some of you who struggle with something that keeps going time and time again, as a sign, God's going to give you an ability to be able to just put that aside and walk away from it. You've never been able to do that in your whole life. So, Father, we thank you that you've called us to conquer. You've called us to conquest. And so right now, the degree of being convinced of what you have said, prophetic words, things that you've spoken to us, the intuitions, those sorts of things would just become strong in us like never before. Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Do you agree? I agree. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.